Welcome back to the Energy Converter Student Voice Podcast. I'm really excited to be here today. We have a really, really, really special show with a lot of special young folks that you might not have heard from before. So before we get started, uh, I am Charles Cole, uh, founder and executive director of Energy Converters, and I'm going to let our amazing panel introduce themselves. Yes, my name is Jonathan Piper. I'm a senior at Skyline High and the media director for the All City Council Student Union. Hey, y'all. I'm Cheyenne Gonzalez. I am 19 and a graduate or alumni from Oakland High, and I am a youth organizer at CFJ, aka Californians for the Justice. Awesome. My name is Quaco Power, and I am a senior at Oakland High School right now and currently affiliated with Californians for Justice as well. Awesome, awesome. So today's show is special because there has been a lot of things happening in the city of Oakland. So there was just a large school strike that got national attention, and part of uh, the way in which that strike got ended, it was negotiated that there would be this thing called an ad hoc committee. And so on that committee, it would be a mix of players that came out of that the district chose and some that the union chose. But basically, the idea was for these people to come together, look at some of our policies, look at some of the school uh, closures that need to happen and our criteria and to make recommendations that the school board and superintendent would utilize. So I got blessed to be on that committee along with Jonathan and in this piece, we had we start to have a conversation about quality. And one of the things that Jonathan said, and I think that we both kind of agreed on, was that we wanted to be able to take this out to young folks just to hear what quality is for them. So we know that the district has 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 had conversations about what quality is. They've done uh, exercises. They had a loan document that talks about it. But we wanted to cut through that. We wanted to actually just have a conversation with students in that in the district uh, that's either current students or just graduated to hear how they've experienced quality and what quality means to them. And then we're gonna take this information, send it to the committee, and and hopefully the voices of you all will be entered into like that official record and mixed into that group. So that's pretty much the gist of it. Um, Jonathan, is there anything that you wanna add before we move on? Did I cover everything? Yeah, you pretty much got it. I know there's a lot of different ideas on the definition of what quality looks like. Um, and how that plays out in our schools. Mm -hmm. so really glad that the students have a seat at the table with defining quality for ourselves and what it looks like to actually be in the schools and see quality in our education from our own lenses. That's awesome, man. And also, and you named the groups that you're a part of. You left one out, brother. I, I think that uh, the Black Student Union, like, uh, can you say what that is real quick, man? I don't want to leave. That's, that's important work, so... Yeah, so, well, I, I wear many hats, but um, one at Skyline is the Black Student Union, which is a safe space on campus for um, people who identify as black to come and, you know, speak about issues happening in the community, uh, sometimes personal issues, because um, a lot of us 
go through some similar hardships. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's meant to be a place for us all to conjugate and be safe and be supported by each other on campus mm -hmm. and, you know, be advocates for each other. You know, we have like my brother's keeper and my sister's keeper. Mm -hmm. So like let's unify and just protect each other, right? Because um, that's something that lacks in our communities is protection for young black and brown students. Um, so I became the president. I was nominated by last year's seniors um, because they saw that I had like a vision and a goal for the students at Skyline. So they're like, you need to make sure that gets implemented. Um, so that's one of the things I've been trying to do is make sure that students feel supported um, on campus who haven't felt supported in the past. I think that's dope. And I think just because it's Oakland and we're going to jump into the topic soon, but I think this stuff is important. Um, identity is important here. So for the most part, this is a, a black group. Now, there are folks that are mixed. There are folks that are, are represent different parts of diaspora. Um, there are some folks that might be Afro-Latina. So I want to just give y'all space to just kind of say, who is also in this conversation? Because I, one, I know that that matters in Oakland. Two, I know that the largest population of students in Oakland right now is Latino, which it used to be black when I was actually a student in OUSD, so it's, it's, it's kind of flipped. And so I wanted you all to be able to identify however you want to identify, but also so we can set the table so people know who they're listening to. So, you know, you can say whether if you just identify as black or mixed or whatever the case is. Um, and if you don't want to, you, you don't have to, but... I just want to make sure we lifting up uh, underrepresented groups. All right. So I identify as a black, a black African-American teen. Um, my grandmother is Chinese on my dad's side, but my mm -hmm. dad's dad was black. So my, my dad, and my uncle are mixed. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that trickled down into me. Uh, but on the surface, you know, people don't really see the Asian side of me. I'm just like, oh, you know, he's black. And I'm like, well, I'm mixed, but, you know, I'll, I'll still, you know, there's a lot of power in being black. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, oftentimes, you know, we don't know where we came from, like our actual descendants, their origin. So all we can settle on is saying that we're black. And mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, sometimes we want something more. At least I want something more. But I'm still proud to be a black teenager. Awesome. Hey. Um, I am Afro-Latina, so I'm Puerto Rican. I have a Puerto Rican mother, and I come from an Egyptian father. Um, so, yeah, I'm out here representing all the Afro-Latinas out there. You feel me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what's up. Um, I'm actually a first-generation Nigerian-American immigrant. Um, so I grew up here. With, like I've been here since I was five, so I grew up. I grew up like feeling Oakland and just being from Oakland and I generally identify as just black because I don't want to like diminish the fact that I grew up in America but I also want to like still reach back home because uh, I still have like those direct ties those that um those direct ties back home and family back home that I can still go back and see and like connect with that's so. dope man I'm glad to have you all and just for the folks out there listening if you represent a different group and you're from Oakland and you're young or whatever the case is, you can use our platform. Uh, we'll make the space open for you. And if it is a different group, uh, we can help find an adult that identifies with that group because we know that representation is important. And so I just wanted to offer up the Energy Converters platform to anybody that wants to further this conversation. So we want to have a conversation around quality. So in the strike, it was a lot of conversation around uh, fiscal vitality of the district or money or, or salaries and pay. And all those things are very, very important. Uh, and at the same time, quality in Oakland, 
education has been lacking for a long, long time, dating back to before I was a student in this city. So my question for you all, and this is where y'all don't have to go in order, but you can if that's easier. Like, what is quality to you? Like, and, and do you feel that you received a quality education? No, uh-uh. uh-uh. <laughs> Identify yourself, say your name again. <laughs> I almost cussed, school. It's okay, it's, you, you, hey man, be who you need to be. Okay, hell no. Nah. This is this is Cheyenne, you feel me? Um, I was born and raised in New York, and I moved out here in my junior year of high school. So I went to Oakland High for my junior and senior year. And coming into this completely different environment, like, despite everything, I went to Oakland High, and I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and I had, like, folks in my senior class who were, we were doing assignments that I did in middle school, like... Mm. I remember one day we were talking about the concept of fire and, and what it means like for books and its symbolism. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is sixth and seventh grade curriculum. Like mm -hmm. we got we got our black men with middle school, elementary reading levels like and not being supported in their classes and just like like just. Oh, it was so crazy. And I think what what helps me a lot is that I come from a completely different environment. So I had the opportunity to have my education. I had a different form of education to compare what I went through at in Oakland. And just seeing that there's folks here who are born and raised out here and, and go to school K through 12 and realizing like, it's like they never made, it's like after elementary school, nothing else happened. It's like nobody else was supporting them. Nobody's really looking at them. Like I'm really big on mental health and especially in communities of color because that's where it is the heaviest and that's where it's talked about the least mm -hmm. and it was just between the lack of mental health support the the lack of just decent facilities mm -hmm. teachers not understanding that where their students are coming from and like seeing that folks of color is like a term that was not used or mm. acknowledged. You know, like we can say you're a youth of color, you could say you're black, you could say you're brown, whatever, but if you don't acknowledge what that comes with, it's mm -hmm. like, well, what was the point of even saying it? And I feel like that's all that happened there. It's just kind of just throwing, throwing everybody away that gave you too much trouble and not even taking the time to really look at them and being like, well, they got a different learning style. Like, mm -hmm. let's talk about that. I think well thank you for that and I want to just kind of say what I heard because I think it was really important so I think that you kind of define quality for you by talking about what it wasn't and what it wasn't was grade appropriate work um, like rigor you didn't feel fully whole in some of those spaces sometimes because you said they just kind of threw people away and just not really understanding the concept of people's identity and where they're coming from and being able to make that real connection. And so when did you graduate from Ohio? 2018. Okay. So, so we were talking about this before uh, we started. So what I have up is the A through G graduation rates for your cohort. So you are actually represented in this number. So when you look at the Oakland high number, Oakland high, your year started had 89 black kids. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they, they report that 80 graduated, which is true. But what they don't often report is how many graduated haven't met A through G requirements. Are you familiar with A through G requirements? Yeah. Yeah. So for the folks out there that's not, A through G requirements are the basic requirements for somebody to apply to a CSU or UC college uh, university here in California. So people that's listening outside of California, 
we have one of the largest public university systems in the world and it's under the California State Universities and University of California. And the A through G is the bare minimum that you need to just be able to apply. So out of the 89 black seniors in your cohort, only 28 graduated having that's even eligible to apply for UC and CSU. And, and sadly, a lot of students find that out the hard way, right? Because when we look at reports, they're gonna report that, well, Oakland High actually has a 90% graduation rate for black kids. So um, I, just, I just think it's an interesting discrepancy and I look like you wanted to jump in real quick. Go ahead. Oh, you know, I always got something to say. <laughs> uh, for me, when I think about what quality is, it's that high-end product that you can't get enough of. It's something that you want to consistently go and buy, and it's something that you don't get tired of. You know, it's quality. You know, that's something I enjoy getting. That's something that I want to flex on everybody. Um, mm -hmm. So when you're talking about quality education, that's something that you don't want to end. So, like, my grandmother was like, when you're so young and in middle school, you know, you always were happy to go to school. You would get up early, and you were so excited. And I was like, well, that's because I was learning something that I was interested in. I was interested in learning. When I got quality education, I feel like I learned things that were beneficial to my life, but I learned it outside of school. Mm -hmm. And so it came to a point where I didn't want to be at school because I'm like, they're not teaching me quality uh, things, but I'm learning the same things outside of school with these internships, with these mm -hmm. other programs that I'm in. Um, so I'm on time to my programs all the time. I'm mm -hmm. always taking time out. I took time out to be on this podcast and I'm tired because uh, it's been a long day. Um, but it was like I always wanted to be in these bodies where I feel like I was getting something out of it. And I was like, I didn't get that quality in the classroom all the time, mm -hmm. the life lessons. And looking at this data about people who graduated and didn't feel like they were ready. Um, I've seen on Snapchats from people who graduated from Skyline last year, they're like, y'all, we weren't prepared for life after high school. Mm -hmm. So even if you got those A through G requirements and you were able to graduate and go into college, they didn't teach you how to survive in college, how to survive in life mm -hmm. after high school. They always tell you it's not going to be easy, but they don't give you a roadmap on how to get through it. Mm -hmm. uh, so when it comes to quality, it was like, I don't even feel like we fully de developed what quality was when it came to building out curriculum. Okay. So, and as you pass the microphone over to our sister over here, so what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, quality is something that, that you feel that you want to show up for, something that you want to brag about, that you want to be proud of, right? And so there are definitely aspects of the district that serve as quality for you because, like you said, you're a busy brother. You're doing a lot of different things. Before we started to build a relationship, I saw you at a bunch of different events where you were, like, really active, right? But you're saying that, one, that's not everybody's experience, and two, that isn't always what you're kind of seeing in the classroom based off the, what you heard your people at Skyline say. And your Skyline numbers are up there too for last year from those folks. Y'all had 118 black folks at the start of the, of the senior year. They reported 103 graduated, which is 87%. But out of 118 seniors, black seniors, only 36 graduated having finished like A through G, right? And again, that's not something that, did, did any of you know this data before we start talking about it today? Okay, nope. right. So that, I think that's really important. But tell us your uh, definition of quality and what you're looking for. Um, personally, I think I got the best quality education I could have gotten from Oakland. Um, growing up, I, I actually went to school before I moved here. Uh, my mom worked for the Nigerian government teaching. Um, so I was able to get into a good preschool. I was, um, we were living like a, 
a cushy kind of life. So I was able to be in like school learning like cursive, like multiplication, math. Mind you, I'm only like four or five at this time and I can like recite my alphabet for you in two languages. I was almost fluent in another language. Um, and then I came here. And when I got here, I got placed into um, a, a dual immersion of, of sorts kind of preschool. I went to La Escuelita, um, which for those who don't know, that it's a Spanish-speaking and English-speaking um, elementary school in Oakland. And that school, in that school, it taught me a lot of lessons about where I was and who I, um, and looking back and who I would be today. Uh, growing up, I was surrounded by the um, by Latin and Asian cultures, so I grew up um, very like very wishy-washy in my identity and how I identified and how I saw quality as I saw like some of my students, some of my um, fellow um, students struggling to read at grade level Mm -hmm. in third grade. Um, And as we had an influx of incoming students who didn't speak English, me, because I had that, that good foundation in school already, I was often asked by teachers if I could help those students build their English, their ELA skills, build their math skills, help them out. And my going through um, going through OUSD, that's just how it was. I was always a student that was like, oh, you don't need help. You, you're here to help everyone else because you're already good. You're not struggling. Um, and like, I had a, I had a reading level, a college reading level in, in middle school, and middle school was the last time I actually wanted to like go to school. Mm. Well, like for the whole day of school, like, and it was just tragic. I went to a very better funded school than the one in my neighborhood. I mm-hmm. went to a school outside of my neighborhood, and that school was of a different um, background than I was. Um, that's where I met Jonathan. And we were at that school, and it was just like half of these kids cannot read past fifth grade level. Mm-hmm. We're in eighth grade, about to go to ninth grade. These kids do not know how to conjugate words in English, their native language, the only language they speak. Um, and it was just frustrating to see that, while the other half who were um, who were of Caucasian descent were like perfectly fluent in math and English and like writing and we're over here learning about like factorials, pre-calculus and I'm mm-hmm. like you're in eighth grade and you're striving this well whereas there's students who can barely add. So tell me how that makes you feel right because you're hinting at it but right but like when you when you when you, like saying that back right like right. How, how does that make you feel? It's just frustrating because I'm like it's just frustrating. I don't. I should not be here as a teacher when there's a teacher being paid to do this. Um, there's there's block between like teachers and where their students at mm-hmm. should not exist because there was there were times where I was, I was ready to smack a teacher for going off on a student who was struggling because they didn't understand what was going on in class and rather than stooping, like not stooping, but rather than going down to that student's level, they would just judge the student. It was like, oh, they just don't want to try. Mm-hmm. It's not they don't want to try, they just don't get it. They haven't had a caring adult since like second grade and they've been struggling in math and English since like second grade and no one's ever had the, had the common decency to, to pull them aside, have a meeting with their parents and be like, look, Look, your student is struggling in this, this, and this, and that, and I want to make sure they succeed in life. Thank you for sharing that. And 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 again, like I said, all like we're gonna make that 
the entire ad hoc committee listen to this episode. So know that you are speaking to folks that are about to make some major decisions, right, around quality and redefining it and what schools close and stay open or whatever the case is. I saw you uh, getting ready to jump in, so feel free. Go ahead, brother. What was it that you was about to add? You know, I really admire what Quaco says about how students all come in at a different level. I realize that education always starts at home. That's when you first start to develop your brain by pay attention, paying attention to what's happening around you. Mm-hmm. Um, so parents actually play a big influence in their student, in their child's life on what they're going to learn, how they're going to be set up. Right. Um, it's very unfortunate to see second, no, two year olds addicted to iPads and like. <laughs> for Easter Sun Easter Sunday, I was at my cousin's house and I was trying to play with my two year old cousin and he was watching YouTube videos and as soon as I took the iPad from him, he started having a fit. And <laughs> I was just like, You guys could be learning so much like reading a book. So I realized, you know, not to not to fault parents, but sometimes you just have to give that kid a book and to help them to develop reading because at school they don't teach you how to read they'll give you material to read and so i'm gonna be, I'm be completely honest i'm not the best reader i don't even think i'm at reading level for to be a 12th grader about mm-hmm. to graduate i can sit and talk in front of people for hours and i know what i'm talking about but when it comes to reading i'm like i know how to read i can i can read this out loud but when it comes to being on my own and trying to read through this textbook that you're giving me is not the best for me because I didn't grow up, you know, already reading and already wanting to hold that book. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I think schools need to learn how to meet students where they're at and stop punishing them for not catching up to where you want them to be. So so I wrote a piece for Ebony magazine uh, a few years ago. I'm sure you are familiar with Ebony. And in it, I, I was giving black parents the right questions to ask teachers at school because they just some just don't know so they don't know that just because you got an a in that class does not mean that you're on grade level Mm -hmm. so we so one of the things that we wrote was ask your child's teacher what their reading level is and i think it's damn near criminal right that you as involved as you are don't really know what grade level that you're reading at right because that's something that we actually measure and because we want to stay with data this just came out it's on the screen so fourth grade math in 2017 so 51% of white students 26% of latino students and 19% of black students nationwide score proficient all right like that's just in solid mastery of like the work and reading california had a 27 point gap in average for fourth grade reading scores between whites and Hispanics in 2017. And that's one of the biggest in the nation. And like also just for black folks, it's a the 38 point gap between those two groups in eighth grade math, like it's the same as it was in 1990. So basically like there are like black kids, Latino kids are not learning how to read and they're not learning how to do math. And it's at like shocking, like abysmal numbers. And a lot of folks are not, I don't know if folks are just not aware, if they don't care, whatever the case is, but I have to, to give Oakland the benefit of the doubt. I have to think that they just don't know, because if you knew this, the things that we squabble about as adults, it like we would, we would all just be coming together to be like, to sound the alarm and say, our smartest, our brightest, our beautiful cannot read. Right. So in, 
y'all are thirsty and asking for quality. Like that's that's what I'm hearing, like in the passion and your answers and your voice. But I saw you grab that microphone, sis. So go ahead and rock that thing. You know what I mean? Um, I just want to unpack a lot that was just said. Um, we're not knocking technology and like that stuff because technology is a beautiful tool. It's a beautiful tool in the right hands. That's actually how I got to my reading level in middle school because I didn't talk to nobody. I didn't pick up a book. I didn't start reading until sixth grade. And that was because I had mental issues and I couldn't talk to my family about it. And that's why like Cheyenne's passion about mental health in our communities, I felt that because the only reason I am the way I am was because the only way for me to escape was to read. And so I grew up reading and that like that was such a struggle for me because I went from hating books, wanting to burn books, not even wanting to touch them to like reading every day to just not have to talk to anybody, mm. reading whenever I could get the chance, reading in church, like got the Bible on my lap, <laughs> phone in the Bible, just reading stories like hours and hours and hours, just six hours stories, not sleeping so I could read because that was my escape mm -hmm. and like to see my nieces and nephews who um who recently like immigrated here and they're like all caught up in like youtube they can tell me all the biggest youtube stars right now but tell them to pull out a book tell them to pick up a pencil whole tantrum whole fit and i'm like first of all this is not why you came here like Technology is a good thing, but we just got to watch how we're using it and how we're letting our students use it. Because, because I know folks who were, were like fluent in three languages at the age of three from technology. Mm. So it's just, it's a matter of fact that educating our folks and our adults and letting them know that just because your student is at having an A in a class don't mean they're at grade, grade level. Mm -hmm. I had B's in math class, but I understood the stuff. Like, I knew what was going on. I just could not, for the life of me, drag myself to be to want to be in that class. Mm -hmm. Like, I like I just could not. It wasn't until, like, high school that, like, math became interesting for me. It wasn't until I got into, like, AP statistics that I was like, oh, this is my favorite class. I actually want to go to class. Like, it should not take that. Mm -hmm. It should not take for a student to wait to college for those who actually can see college in their future, mm -hmm. for them to, like, want to go to school, that's not okay. Like, mm -hmm. we're cheating our students, and then we we see a spike in, like, in crime and problems in our neighborhoods, and we're like, what's going on? This whole generation is off, like, is whack. Like, what's going on? Like, they're just doing this, this, and this, and that, because y'all didn't educate us. Mm -hmm. Y'all didn't support us. Y'all didn't listen to us, because way beyond... Way beyond us knowing how to like read and write, way beyond us not being at level, we were at level at some point. And there was a cry for help. There was a cry that wasn't answered. And our folks have been doing this for years. That's why there was a strike back in the 90s. Like the same demands have been asked. Every single time a strike or anything has come up, the same demands have been asked. And we're not meeting that. So there's something there's well, something what do you, that's what not do you, what do you think that the strike demands were? Um, in general, it was just more support for students and staff, right? So they won the Oakland teacher strike was not a, was not an appeal that was good for everyone. And I'ma stand by that statement no matter what you tell me. Because the teachers may have got their 11% uh, salary increase, but they don't get a majority, of that, a majority of that until the end. They have to wait 
to get that big increase. Um, they got lower class sizes by one, but more students are going to be influxed. Mm -hmm. So over the time, that lower class size is going to last for, what, one or two years? And then now we'll be like, oh, we want more lower class sizes. What else do they get? They got more support for themselves, but their students are still out here failing, flailing because they can't read and they don't know how to support themselves. Mm -hmm. And their teachers aren't equipped with the right resources to be able to support them. Their schools aren't equipped with, with counselors to let them know what they need to know in order for them to like to basically graduate. Mm -hmm. There are folks right now who are struggling to graduate in Oakland. And I was one, like, I'm going to be real right here. Oh, man. This semester, I almost cried because I realized I may not be able to graduate. I literally had a panic attack last week because I thought I may not be able to graduate. All because Oakland has decided that they want to put us in cohorts. And those cohorts may or may not be helpful to our to our graduation requirements. Um, I'm all for linked learning and cohorts and building pathways and building relationships and building spaces for folks to be able to communicate and feel like their community. But when that starts affecting a, a child's dreams, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. I have too many elective and science credits, but not an art credit. Mm -hmm. I have too many math credits, but not an art credit. I don't know why we don't value art in our system that it makes us feel like we have to do everything else but art. Art is not valuable. Art is a basic requirement just to apply, just to apply. And I did not have that credit. And I had to scramble last minute, last semester, to get into a college-level art class so I can get a whole year's credit of art. But I was in Spanish, too, as a freshman. I was in Spanish three as a, as a sophomore, and I'm in, I was in AP stats as a junior. I was in math analysis as a sophomore. I was ahead on a whole bunch of shit that, excuse my language, on a whole bunch Keep, keep preaching. Like, I was ahead on a whole bunch. I, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't peg me as a type to not graduate. Mm -hmm. But looking at my transcript, I barely made it. I barely made it just because I was communicated the wrong information and the wrong, if you, and like, there's students like me, had I not been in the system, had my mom not, had my mom not be a teacher, I may have not been the way I was. Mm -hmm. I definitely would not have been the way I was. I wouldn't have known that I could have gotten my grades changed for even after the end of the marking period or the semester or the school year. I wouldn't have known that, like, some of these, these teachers have a lot more power than they're willing to show. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have known that the, that that the union has a lot more power than their willingness show and that they're so distrustful of their students. The same students that were out on those picket lines fighting for them, helping them close and shut down schools. Like, had my mom not been in the position where she was, I would have known all of this. Mm -hmm. And because I'm so fortunate to be where I am, I know all this information. But I have friends who don't know any of this and are now just realizing, oh shoot, I'm gonna have to go to Dewey. Mm -hmm. School ends in five weeks, and they're now realizing they're going to have to go to continuation school. Mm -hmm. This is it's a struggle. This is a struggle. Like, our students should not be feeling so lost that, like, they have to wait the last minute just to figure out what's going on and then be like, oh, I got to put my dreams on the back burner so I can just finish this. Yeah. Nah, that's not how it's supposed to be. This is it's just, it's, I'm just infuriated. Like, something's not clicking. So, let me, so, so. That was one. Y'all are doing an amazing job. Uh, it sounds like you, you do this for your for your work every every day. So I really love hearing that. And I know we got a late start, and it's a Friday on the day that uh, Avengers Endgame comes out. So 
I'm gonna get y'all out of here soon, but let's wrap this into like our final thought. And so the superintendent is listening to this. The, 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 the leader of the union will be listening to this. Charter leaders will be listening to this. We will try to get this in front of state people. And then people outside of California will be listening to this. Like you actually have, like I said, a megaphone right now. And with that comes a lot of like responsibility. So the question I'm going to ask you is, so so now that you know you're about to talk to this large body of folks that's about to make some really big decisions and some of which are fighting with each other constantly, what does increasing quality in schools look like? What do you want that body of people that's about to come back together? I think we're back together next Monday and we got to sit in that room and start doing this work all over again. This is your moment to like give a statement around what you need us to come out of that room with and what you need the superintendent and the state to know. You, wanna, you. you can start, yeah. All right. Um, for one, empathy. Empathy is definitely um, something that we're lacking in our school board. Uh, mental health services, and not just no, like, basic old boo-boo wellness center that you'd be thrown in the school with overworked folks. No, like, I want genuine mental health support because you, just like um, Quaco was talking about, your environment is what impacts you the most. So if I'm in a classroom with 40, 40 other kids or whatever, and one teacher, and I've been raising my hand for like 10, 15 minutes, and nobody's coming over to help me, or I'm in the middle of a panic attack, and none of my teachers are trained in just the basic understanding of what anxiety and depression and signs of that is, then I'm forced and I'm put in the position as a student to have to advocate for myself. And like I, when I went to Oakenheim, I was a new student in my junior year. None of my teachers knew who I was. Nobody like showed me around the classroom. Nobody showed me around the school. I had to figure everything out on that campus by myself. I had to advocate about my mental health and my mental illnesses by myself. And I had to literally beg and plead to my teachers like, hey, just support me on this. Like, I need to take a break every now and again. Sometimes I need to step out. Like in the midst of a panic attack, I've had teachers yell at me and tell me to sit down and that I can't leave. And it's like, how do you explain to somebody in the middle of your panic attack that I'm having a panic attack? And it's because they're not trained and they're not seeing what it means to have mental illnesses, especially when you're working with youth of color in this in this particular area. PTSD, depression, anxiety, like those are real things that are are inside of our students. And even our students don't always know what it is. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so important to talk about that and to acknowledge it and actually actively do something about it. Mm -hmm. um, I want to see stronger preventative tactics so that things like this, like major budget cut issues or whatever, doesn't need to keep happening because there's, there's this one person, I won't say their name, but there's this one person that comes to every single board meeting, budget meeting, and he's been doing that for 40 years. Talking about the same thing, 40 years he's been saying, y'all need to do this, this is going to happen if you don't do this, and every time it always happens. And it's like, how is 40 years going by and y'all still don't understand that this, that, and the third needs to happen. That this, that, and the third is mental health support. You need to make sure that your teachers look like your students. So if you're going to have black and brown folks in there, you need to have black and brown teachers. And you need to have folks from that area actually participating in that school. You need to make sure that the facilities in that school are, are built for the students. It seems like the only reason why, like, the only thing that you ever see in in um in like these environments is things that are are 
benefiting to those that make the school look good. Mm-hmm. So it's not about the, 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 what was it, 39 folks that didn't reach the, no, the, it's about the 39 folks that did reach the um, reading requirements and mm-hmm. everybody else was just, let, let's just let them go. Mm. Oh, well, whatever. It's about having counselors that are there for more than just college counseling. You know, and it's also about having enough counselors so that if I go to my counselor's room, there have been so many times at Ojai where I've gone to my counselor to go see them, and there's six to ten other students waiting in line to see that, that same exact teacher. And it's like, i got to go to class in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I get, I get penalized, and I get in trouble for not um, being on, um, on time to class. Mm. And it's little things like that. It's like, so we need more counselors. We need more resources, and not just more resources but we need those resources to be in our faces mm-hmm. because a big issue that we're having is that those resources are tucked behind behind closed doors and only some people know about it and if you know about it then then you maybe let your friends know whatever but other than that don't nobody everybody don't everybody don't go to the future center because nobody not everybody feels comfortable participating in that not everybody feels like oh they're going to do something for me i've literally had to drag my friends there to make sure that they understand that this is what it is because nobody even told them about it Mm -hmm. and just uh as you go into the next answer so you asked about the teacher kind of breakdown so from this study um that came out a few years ago i'll put the notes in 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 the work and i'll put the notes in the description but so working in low poverty, I mean, in like um, in, in like high poverty places. So 92 percent of the teachers were white, three uh, percent were were Hispanic or Latino and three percent were black. Um, that was the, the, the racial makeup of uh, of teachers. So uh, thank you. And then whichever one of you all want to go next. So like we're about to go meet in this group again. Again, you got to you get to you're talking directly into Superintendent uh, Kyla's ear, who I've met. I've I've worked with her. She's very she's very dope. She's sweet. She's listens. So now she's listening to you. What do you want her to know in this committee to know around how we increase quality in our schools right now? Um, I do want to address that. I know there's a teacher shortage in all of the country, not Mm -hmm. just in the state, but the state really has it. So, like, it may not be easy to get teachers that are of um color but retaining the ones we do have that should be a priority now because i know a teacher who was basically forced to quit because he couldn't there was a job they wanted him to do and he couldn't do it because he didn't feel equipped and taught and supported enough to do it and rather than stay in the school and do and be forced to do it he left because he was like i'm not about to stress myself Mm -hmm. um and kyla like we've worked with you before and i know like you 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 the homie. You've been to Oakland. You worked in <laughs> Oakland. You're from Oakland. You get that. Um, I just want all of y'all to just take a step back. Like, strip down whatever titles you got, whatever is making your ego, whatever is making you oh think that you the one, strip it. That's not, that's not the purpose of this. Strip it. Think of those kindergartners who will be graduating in 12 years and how a good chunk of those kindergartners will not be able to read past fifth grade level at the rate we're going. Think about those preschoolers who aren't even in kindergarten yet, who can't, who want to start reading but don't know how to bring it up. Think about how in the long term, with the way Oakland is set up, their mental health is going to be affected. Mm-hmm. Think about all the stuff that's happening. But don't forget about the seniors because for some reason, like, 
it just feels like the seniors and like seniors in deep east and like west oakland like mcclimans they're being impacted disproportionately and like we need more equity like Mm -hmm. we've all heard of equality but now we need more equity those schools like what you think is quality you got to assess where they are what resources they've gotten what like what's going on like in those neighborhoods you gotta assess the whole picture just don't be looking at the numbers and the data i mean like oh we're losing money because of this school we Mm -hmm. gotta cut it nah it's not like that because if you cut like schools like mac you're gonna have kids traveling from west oakland all the way to tech or to oakland high or the skyline rather than being in their neighborhood building community with the folks they see every Mm -hmm. day and that's a problem and just and as you pass it, oh, oh, yeah, Jonathan, we'll get you in a second. Just just some more data. So West Oakland has the highest travel rate of any other section of Oakland. What that means is, so one Mac is not, to my understanding, Mac is is not and has not really been on the chopping block to get cut, like to right. be to be gone. A lot less people are choosing Mac, and, it, and it's and it's happening for a few different reasons. One, the black population in Oakland in general. In West Oakland, more specifically, is just is falling. It's falling like dramatically, right? And as somebody, when I went here again, the majority of students was black. Oakland was a black city from when I was young, and I got here, and it's kind of switched out, right? And so, you know, I think that that's something to to kind of understand and to know. Uh, but John, you get to take us home, brother. What what uh what would you be bringing up in our next meeting? And uh, what is it that you want folks to hear? Because this is your moment, uninterrupted. Man, I can't wait to come back because, you know, we got we, you know, we, we short on time, but there's a whole lot to unpack. Um, one thing that I know, we have to change the curriculum because this curriculum that we're learning in class has been set up for years in the same exact way, and it's not supporting the students who are not grasping it. Um, we're not taught to think for ourselves. We're taught to learn what we're taught to, you know, process what you're giving us. And not all of us can process that information. So if we're processing stuff we don't understand or things that's not really clicking in our brains, we can't remember that. Like I can study for a test and not retain any of the information, but I can listen to a song for five minutes and know all the lyrics. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we're not taught to think for ourselves. We're not taught to learn in ways that we can remember but we're taught to learn the way you want us to think. And then when we can't think the way you think, we're penalized for it. Mm. Because I can't analyze this essay the way you want me to analyze it. And now I'm getting points deducted in my English class because I'm not analyzing it the way you want me to. But Mm. I thought it was an argumentative essay. I thought I could present my own information. Um, I noticed there's a lot of generational trauma. So students, you could have been born in the best household, in the best area, but your ancestors probably went through something. And so that gets passed down through your genes, through your blood. And so you wake up and you can just feel that in you because it's happened. And it's like, it's a scientific, it's a biological thing that I can't explain right now. But like general, generational trauma is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also students who go through trauma right now. Like my cousins, they were homeless for a minute. Um, I have a cousin who got kicked out of school before and he really blamed himself for his family circumstances but now that he's living with me, my mom and my stepdad, he's getting A's in school. He's extremely excited to go to school. He reads better than I do. He uh, can do math, mental math, multiplication tables, doing three numbers, and I'm still counting on my fingers. Like, um, but 
I realized that he went through something. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that was depressing for him. And so schools, you know, I'm not sure what resources they have for them. Um, Sky, Skyline. Cheyenne <laughs> mentioned the facilities on campus. A lot of people associate schools with prisons. I think one thing we need to do is cut down the funding that's going into the school police officers because OUSD has its own campus uh, police officers. So it's not, you know, the Oakland police and it's also not the campus guards. It's actually like school policing. Um, and so I think those those policing skills have to be brought down because it's already setting up students for failure. Um, um, something that a lot of people didn't know is that even during the strike, you know, students had their own priorities. We wanted more student leadership opportunities, um, teacher quality trainings, which was like uh, retention and recruitment, um, mental health and wellness and college and career readiness. Uh, I noticed that when I, okay, I'm like going on a tangent because I'm running out of time. Um, <laughs> so you can come back. <laughs> yeah, I would love to. Okay. But yeah, when I think back onto like when I felt like I was getting a quality education, I think back to my eighth and ninth grade years taking math classes. I had a teacher who I believe was Filipino or she was of some type of Asian descent. And then I had... Um, a teacher who was black. And those were the only two times I felt like I really learned math. Mm. So it might not have just been those teachers of color who can teach, but the way that they taught. So I feel like changing the curriculum and changing the way teachers teach is something that's important. Um, and lastly, don't close the schools that aren't meeting the requirements. Think about the requirements they need and then find a way to increase those mm. resources um, and find funding for those resources because like y'all said, you know, schools, sometimes you only go to the school that's in your neighborhood, the schools that you can go to. So if you close down that school, you're setting up a lot of students for failure. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and one, y'all did an amazing job and hopefully you all will come back at some point. Y'all, there's an open invitation and I will follow up in email. Totally. Because I think one of the things that I also want to do next time is like, I think y'all went off. I think y'all did some great stuff and I think that y'all said some amazing things. And I want to bring in the realistic parts of this into the next conversation as well. In Oakland, schools have to close because we ain't got enough bread. So for instance, one of the things that people fought for was restorative justice, right? Restorative justice is something that Oakland, that is a, is a staple in Oakland now, it's part of our identity, and students wanted it, but because of the cuts, something had to go, and that was one of the things that had to go. Like, I worked in a superintendent's office, I was a part of the community engagement team, part of those cuts, when I was there, like when I left, I just didn't get replaced because that department kind of got phased out. Right. So, you know, you can only spend money as so much as you have it. So just so you all know, and, I, and I'll end on this. Right. Because I want us to also tackle with the real issues because we're operating at a deficit. So when you have a structural deficit, even if you get an infusion of cash once, if you don't have a plan for that money to continue to come, you're going to end up like you'll fix it for that year, maybe the year after. But you're going to end up having to cut stuff all over again and it's a it's the same dance so the city is going to fund restorative justice for this year that's great news right well this is a one-time infusion of cash though right so how is it going to be sustainable right like who like what what other things are going to have to happen or where are the cuts are going to have to come from so you can have services like that and so just per capita oakland has more schools than most of the country so for instance, so just so just to give you a point of reference, we have 36,000 students in Oakland and we have 86 traditional schools here. Stockton has nearly, I think, 50,000 students in 55 schools. So like just around the, the so, you know, 
there was a study a while ago where Oakland went to talk to Pleasanton about how they pay their teachers so much more. And Pleasanton has really large schools. So what that means is they pay their teachers a lot more because it's less of them and they're more competitive in the people that they choose to be teachers. So a lot of places have teacher strike. I mean, teacher shortages everywhere doesn't have them. Right. And not, and I'm not saying that as like an easy answer to any of this stuff. I'm not saying that endorsing one thing or the next. I am saying though, that we, we have to be adults and look at that sheet and figure out what our sustainability plan is because we've been kicking this can and just been really terrible with money for a long time, right? So at any rate, man, I enjoy talking to y'all. I'm, you know, I hope I didn't make you feel like y'all was not kids in this moment. You was not students in this moment. It's like y'all was advocates and you were doing a hell of a good job of advocating. I really want you all to come back. This was amazing. Um, and thank you for being here. Uh, you all have been listening to the Energy Converter Student Voice Podcast. Uh, tune in next time. Peace. We didn't earn the right to floss a bit. We've been running, beating, talk down, cause our skin. I shine, shine right through the head. I'm a king, she a queen, they all know we're great. I know you a fan, who you want my style? Can you rock a pain chain? Can you rock my sorrows? I know they're afraid, cause I'm educated. Yeah, yeah, you're looking at greatness. I'm Melanie Mac. No, 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 that ain't a tame.